Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Tampa Bay Lightning are Stanley Cup champions. And Steve, maybe we can have nice things. They beat the Dallas Stars 2-0 in Game 6 of their Stanley Cup Finals. They win only the third World Championship in Tampa Bay history. Two of them now belong to the Lightning. Victor Hedman wins the Conn Smythe Trophy as the MVP of the tournament. And Steven Stamkos gets his Stanley Cup to punctuate what will likely be a Hall of Fame career for the Lightning captain. We'll break down the Lightning's remarkable run to the Cup and the Rays open their first round of the playoffs against the Toronto Blue Jays today at the Trop. We've got Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times to break down all of that. We've got so much to talk about on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, Steve, uh, another new sponsor, and I love this one, literally uh, delicious. Who's got the best party platters in your catering in Tampa Bay? That, that would be Mr. Empanada. Uh, and you know how I know that? So I hadn't had Mr. Empanada in years. And about three weeks ago, maybe four, well, you know, so we, we all come to Emily Arena to do the, the Lightning games, and Fox Sports is doing their post-game shows. So, you know, Rick Peckham and Brian Engbaum and all those guys are here for all the games because they, they sit here, watch the games to go over it, and then they do the post-game show. So about three or four weeks ago, Chief brings in a whole party platter of Mr. Empanada and was giving them out to everybody. I was like, man, I hadn't had one. And, man, that was dinner that night, and I was like, so the next day, everyone's going, hey, Chief, where's the empanadas? You bring them, you know, when are you, you bringing them back again? You get hooked on them, yeah. Oh, you, and I'd forgotten how good they are. Here, here's what you do. You take your favorite foods, right, whatever you like, and you place them inside a pocket of homemade dough that's uh, cooked perfectly until it's golden brown and piping hot. Uh, look, uh, their empanadas are fresh. Uh, it's a, It's really a twist on your old favorites. You can order... Delicious menu items made from uh, scratch, including soups, salads, and Cuban sandwiches, online at MrEmpanada.com, or you can call any of their seven convenient locations in Tampa Bay. Where Latin food, quality, and service meet, it's Mr. Empanada. Steve, there's only been three world titles. The Lightning owned two of them. We'll all remember where we were. Of course, you were working the game as a producer of that broadcast um, I can only imagine uh, for you, you know, having been through this ride for all these games, what that must have been like to be around Phil and, and, and Michigan and all those guys. Um, but I'll tell you what, I had two of the most excited little girls, um, you know, in my house. And I posted something on Twitter about it. Um, this is something that, you know, you, you never forget and you enjoy as a family, as a fan base. Um, I know Emily was was crushed with people tonight, which was a little scary. Um, glad I wasn't there, but uh, that's another story. And uh, you know, look, this hockey team—you got to go back to last year when they get swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets as the President's Cup winner, and you know, it it, it kind of drove them. And and I'm not sure that anything short of this would have satisfied them. But man, with a pandemic, with all that they had to endure. This is one of the, 
one of, you know, I've always said that I think this is the hardest championship to win, which is the the Stanley Cup, and to do it in in a in a bubble, um, the sacrifice they made two over two months away from family and and everyone else. I mean, this this is maybe the maybe one of the greatest championships that uh, we've ever seen here. You could definitely make a case for that, and you know, look the. The Lightning came to the bubble. It was over two months ago, July 26th. They flew to Toronto. So it's been two months and a handful of days. They came on a mission. And if you, you, know, if you watch this team in this playoffs, from the exhibition game against Florida, which happened on July 29th, so we're two months ago, they dominated Florida in the exhibition game. And you could just see that they came to the bubble on a mission. And John mm-hmm. Cooper talked about it in the postgame. They used Virginia as a motivating factor. If you remember the Virginia Cavaliers, the first number one seed to lose to a 16 seed in the tournament. Yeah. And they came back the next year and won it all. I mean, he had a cap at the podium, uh, Virginia mm-hmm. cap. Yeah. Yep. And so the Lightning last year, you know, had to swallow that, you know, one of the greatest teams ever, if not the greatest regular season team ever. And then they get swept in the first round of the playoffs. And then you come back this year and you're, you struggle at the beginning of the year because you're trying to change the way you play. You catch a hot streak starting right before Christmas is when you started that uh, 23-2-1 run in 26 games and went from a 500 team that was questionable to make the playoffs to one of the top teams in the East. And then you, you hit a little rough patch. You had some injuries coming. McDonough got hurt. Jan Ruda got hurt. Uh, Stamkos was hurt a little bit. You had some injuries coming. You were struggling a little bit. And then, then the world shuts down, and you hit a pause. And you're the second-best team in the East – You've been all year changing your team to get ready for a playoff run because you're going to not repeat the mistakes of the year before. Now you have to shut it down for four months, and then you come back. And you come back to this round-robin tournament, whatever, in this bubble, and your first opponent's the Columbus Blue Jackets. (laughs) I mean, you can't write it. I mean, it was serendipitous in a way. And, And, you know, John Cooper said this too. Was it their first game? I, I I'm not sure if it was their first game with the five overtime yes, game. The fir- well, I mean, they had the round robin game, so they played three round robin. Yeah, they Columbus had, three, had to advance I mean, the past first Toronto. the series yes. against Columbus. Yes, game one went to five overtimes. Five overtimes, a six hour game, and if they don't win, Cooper says, maybe that creates enough enough doubt to where they don't have this this run mm-hmm. uh, to the cup. That's how important. In fact. So many of their games were overtime, and so many of their games decided by one goal. They played more they, overtime minutes than any team in history by a long shot. I mean, they had passed it games ago, and they've gone to multiple overtime since. Um, they've played more overtime. They've won so many you know, one-goal games. Um, the way that they have transitioned from – look, they're known as an offensive finesse team. They still are, although they've sacrificed some of that to become a very good defensive team. And let's not forget, the four teams they played in this tournament, Columbus, Boston, the Islanders, and the Stars. If you look at the goals against this season, four of the top five teams as far as defense and goals against, they went up against the best defensive teams in hockey and won the Cup and never had to go to seven games in any of those series. Mm. Five, five, six, and six were the games. They never lost two games in a row. They're only the second team in Stanley Cup history to not lose two games in a row in a playoff year. The other team at the 04 Lightning, Nikolai Hobby Bullen went seven and zero after a loss. Andre wow. Vasilevsky went seven and zero after a loss in this tournament. This team, 
this team was on a mission. And, yeah, they had, you know, you get some losses along the way and you start to panic a little bit. But they were on a mission. And the way they play coming out of a loss in this tournament has been phenomenal. Yeah. It, it refocuses them or recenters them or, you know, they, they just they start to put an emphasis back on we're not going to let you score. Right. And they, they shut you down. I mean, this team has shut these teams down. The Pasternak line did nothing in that series. The first game they did. After that, nothing. Uh, Dallas has topped Jamie Benn and T- Tyler Sagan, and they're not scoring. Radulov did nothing in this series. Um, Columbus's best line did nothing. The Islander Barzell line, nothing. I mean, they took the top lines of all these teams and shut them down, took them completely out of the game, while their top line, no team had an answer for. No team had an answer for Braden Point, Nikita Kucherov, and Andre Palat. They were phenomenal no. in this tournament. And, you know, you mentioned Victor Hedman gets the Conn Smythe trophy and well-deserved. anybody, yeah. But if you would have said Braden Point or Nikita Kucherov got it, I wouldn't have made an argument. Me either. And that didn't even come with Vasilevsky, who had a good tournament too. And, and congratulations to him. He's already the Lightning's all-time leader in playoff wins, and he finally gets his first career playoff shutout in the game-deciding game, game six, to win the Cup. That's I said awesome. it at the time. I mean, they scored the one goal early, early uh, when Braden Point put in his re- own rebound. And, you know, I, I just felt like somehow he was going to try to and ended up getting another goal later. But it, somehow it, it felt like you know, Vasilevsky was going to make that stand up. Like sometimes to win a Stanley Cup, maybe you just need to shut the other team out, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what they did. They didn't get a lot of shots. I mean, Vasilevsky had help. He made, made some great saves. Um, you know, and they had to fight off some, some, you know, some power plays and things like this. Um, but it was such a solid win. I think, I, I don't know if it was Ryan McDonough, one of those guys said, you know, that might have been start to finish the best game we've ever played. I think it was Hedman. Hedman said it was. It was Hedman that said that? Yeah. yeah. And, and he might be right. I mean, it, it, when you start counting the circumstances in game six right. with the cup on the line, you, right. know, you had just – not played your best game in game five, although you had a chance in overtime and were actually dominating overtime, but, yeah. but lost it in double overtime game five where you could have clinched it to come back and play the game they did. That was, that was you know, I, I think, I don't remember who put it on. I saw some, you know, it was clinical. Yeah. I mean, that, what they did tonight, that was impressive. Given yeah. all the circumstances and everything else. That was impressive. That was a dominating performance in, in the whole playoffs, really. I mean, this Lightning team was on a mission, and they fulfilled it and, and, and with flying colors. I mean, and, and kudos to John Cooper and his coaching staff because two years ago, you missed the playoffs. Or no, three years ago, you missed the playoffs. Could have made a case. Last that, year, they had to collapse. Well, yeah, could have made a case at that point that you could have made a coaching change. You get up 3-2 in the Eastern Conference Finals against Washington in 18, and then you don't score another goal after 30-some seconds into the second period of Game 5 and lose that series. Then you have a phenomenal regular season in you know 2018-19 and get swept out of the playoffs. And it would have been – you wouldn't have argued if Julian Breezeball would have made a coaching change. No. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have made that – you wouldn't have you know questioned that. But right. Julian Breezeball stuck with the plan, stayed with – his guy, and look at the results you get. They completely transform this team. And, and kudos to Julian Breezebois, too. Absolutely. Who trades two number one picks and a former number one pick prospect, Nolan Foote, to get guys like Barclay Goodrow and Blake Coleman. 
He went all in this year. Last year, he didn't make any moves at the trade deadline. He said, we've got the team to stand pat. And it didn't work in the playoffs. This year, he went all in and found guys that complemented what they needed. They needed guys like Coleman and Goodrow to help on the penalty kill and really anchor that line with Yanni Gore. I mean, once they got Goodrow and Coleman, and then when they went through training camp again, I, I think the pause really helped them in this regard. That Coleman and Goodrow got a chance to get to know their teammates for a few months before, granted on Zoom and all that. But And then you go through a training camp. So you're not just coming in on a trade where you know you played a few games, but you're trying to learn systems and all this other stuff and get situated in a new city and this. And, and they took advantage of that with the pause. But those two pieces, and Bogosian on the back end too, but let's start with Good, Goodrow and Coleman. Those two pieces, once they got them, now all of a sudden you had four pretty consistent solid lines. You know, now Palat wasn't necessarily on the top line. You would hope Stamkos was up there. And then, you know, where Palat fit in, maybe you had to figure out. But the the Gord-Coleman-Goodrow line is just gnats and pests. And, and man, you love to sh- throw them out there in their forecheck. The way Nikita Kucherov played in this postseason. That's as driven and motivated as I've seen Nikita ever in his career. You know, I'm glad you said that. It also was the most emotion I've ever seen him have and I and I know he just won a cup and and I'm sure he was overwhelmed but you know too often we you know people stereotype Russians as not being very expressive or whatnot Mm -hmm. he was moved almost to tears I mean he was genuinely couldn't believe it and you're right they showed the highlights of how many times Nikita Kucherov got knocked down how many bad Mm -hmm. hits that he took collisions Um, there's no question that those teams were looking for him early and often and yet he played more of a 200 foot game than I've ever seen him play um you know you don't have Steven Stamko so he knows he has to step up mm-hmm. uh, that line was unbelievable he made plays that Braden Point finished um pretty much the whole tournament long I mean it was it was really inspiring and just really fun uh to see that other side of Kucherov because remember um, was it uh, a couple years ago or last no, year? Last season, remember he, he got he got suspended he got, for game. He three. got baited into yeah because yeah. he took some hits. He got baited into a cheap shot. He was frustrated and, and yeah, he he took yeah. it out and 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 that cost him. It absolutely cost him did. dearly. I mean, they probably lose that series regardless. That was already down basically two yeah, nothing at that point. But, but you can't be without your best player. Absolutely, and and this you know you could tell that's what other teams they were trying to get him to do that again this year. Absolutely, and he had none of it. I, I mean. To see the way Nikita Kucherov was forechecking this whole tournament, not just a oh, game or two. Yeah. The, the reason that line, nobody could stop them. We know what Braden Point's going to give you. You know what Palat's going to give you. But when Nikita Kucherov is that engaged on the defensive end, whether it's in his own zone or, for the most part, it was in the other team's zone. Because every time that, that, that line had the puck, it was pretty much in the other team's zone. And the way they would forecheck when they didn't have the puck. Incredible. And, and that you know... Now you're seeing, you hope with Nikita, that's a maturity that now his games come complete. Uh, Alex Ovechkin for years was, you know, okay, he can shoot oh, the yeah, puck. Oh, yeah, he was this. the and, and greatest Barry, player to never and, win a uh, Stanley Cup. Sure, but Barry Trotz taught him how to play defense but still be effective offensively. Right. And that's what's made Alex Ovechkin so good, and, and he ended up winning a cup with that, is that he's learned how to also play defense defense and it doesn't mean you're sitting back in your zone the whole time it's forechecking and forcing the puck so that they're turning it over to you in their zone and and you know Ovechkin's really good at he's become really good at he wasn't early in his career well Nikita Kucherov 
is as skilled offensively as any player in hockey. Maybe not the best shot, but his creativity and his skill level and, and you know how he sets up other players is incredible. But if you don't have the puck, if you're always chasing it back the other end because you're not doing the work to, when you don't have the puck, it becomes a problem. He put in the work, and it proved it. And, and that emotion from him was validation of all that that he put into it. And, and kudos It was to so him. cool. It was so cool, and he and he took an awful lot of abuse. They showed sort of a montage mm-hmm. beginning with the Columbus series of you know players basically taking a run at him for like mm-hmm. a better term, um, and he and he took all of it without retaliating, and and um, you know his teammates stuck up for him when they could. Uh, he was great, and I mean there were just across the board, obviously a lot of great performances, and this team you know was together for so long. They they, they it's a team that. You can't always say this, but but appears to really enjoy each other's company, mm-hmm. um, being that they got thrown together. But um, well, but yeah, a, it, a big group of this team has been together for many years now. A core has. That's right. I mean, you know, yeah, you've add you add some pieces every year, and you get some new young guys that come up as well. And they're going to sure. have some tough decisions right. to make this off season. The salary cap's going to be they flat, will. and they've got to sign mm-hmm. Tony Sorelli, Eric Chernak, and Mikhail Sergachev, all restricted free agents. So there's going to be right. some changes in turnover on this roster, and it's going to happen quick because free agency starts a week from Friday. Yeah. But the core is still the core. Yes. And I don't know what Stamkos' fate is going to be, but you know this may not be a one-and-done situation. I mean, this, this, is a, this is a hockey team now that has climbed the mountain, right? They've mm-hmm. gotten the Holy Grail, and now that they know they can do it, now that they know how to do it, you know, the proverbial – cliche whatever monkey is sort of off their back now if they're willing to keep putting in that work absolutely that's I mean, that's the key you know headman's locked up mcdonough's locked up stamkos is locked up kucherov's locked up yeah uh, you know tyler johnson Pilot are locked up Kalorn is under contract but most likely will get moved this offseason because he now has a he goes from a no trade or clause to a modified no trade clause he has a list of teams he can submit that he won't be traded to um, but so he may be one that ends up going salary cap wise, but you know, then you've got, you know, young guys like Sorelli's restricted free agent and Sergachev and Chernak. And then, you know, you start going through, but it, it, Coleman and Goodrow are under contract for another year. Uh, no, the, I mean, this core, look, we thought back in 15 that they would be back to the Stanley cup a lot sooner than this. I mean, every in 15, they made the cup a little too early. Probably. I mean, you know, no one was expecting it at that point. They kind of were a little ahead of schedule for the core group that they had coming up. And kudos to them. And, and, and you know, at the time when they lost to, to Chicago, who won their third championship in like six years or whatever it was, it was like, you know, Chicago won the championship, but the Lightning are going to be back a lot. I mean, that, and, and they made the conference finals four times in the last six years. But this was only their second Stanley Cup, and this time they, they, they win it. But they still have a core – that they can continue to win with going forward. Now, like I said, they're going to have some tough decisions, and the roster will look a little bit different next year. But um, if they're willing to put in the work and, and, and stay committed to playing the type of hockey they played in this tournament, they'll be fine. Well, I guess the tentative plan is, um, is it Wednesday, the boat parade? Is that right? So, yeah, so Wednesday is going to be the public celebrations for the team. The team will get back later today. There's yeah. going to be a private ceremony at Amelie Arena for family and that um, yeah. that they're going to do. But the public celebrations will be Wednesday. There will be a boat parade, uh, the Hillsborough River and all that downtown. 
uh, they uh, asking you to you know space out and socially distance along the river to watch the boat parade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, no, I. I mean, if you've seen yeah. Emily, yeah, well, I'm skeptical. <laughs> so that's at five o'clock on Wednesday. Then uh, yeah. the players will grab a bite to eat. They're going to then take some trolleys up to Raymond James Stadium, which is where the public, the celebration and the stage and the players will speak and do all that stuff. How about that's that? going to happen at Raymond James Stadium. Seven thirty on Wednesday night. Doors will open at six thirty. Uh, the parking opens at five thirty. It's free. But you do have to have a ticket to get in, and social distancing will be in effect, and seating in pods, and keeping everyone apart from each other, so they're not going to fill the stadium. Right. So tickets, you can get them through Ticketmaster. They become available today at 1 o'clock. I would encourage you to probably go early or at 1 o'clock to try to get tickets through Ticketmaster. But for the public celebration at Raymond James Stadium, Wednesday night, uh, like I said, doors open at 6.30. I think the parking opens at 5.30. The, the event's supposed to schedule to start at about 7.30 or so. Uh, and that's where the whole team will be there, the stage, and um, it'll be at Raymond James Stadium, so it'll be outdoors and, and properly social distanced. And I'm guessing that they'll probably get about 25000 in there comfortably, right? I, I have no idea what the the limit or how many tickets they're issuing and, and you know how they're doing that. I, I, I do not know the numbers, so that's why I would say yeah. get your tickets as soon as you can through Ticketmaster. It's interesting, um, the one trophy – you know, during a COVID era uh, that you want to uh, touch, share, and drink out of. <laughs> oh, they were doing they, that tonight, though, but they're they all in the bubble won, together. And, so. and they did it. And, and you know, I well, mean, you sit there and you go, ooh, that's not the optics everybody's. Then you go, ah, they're, they're, they've all been tested. Nine and weeks tested of testing and, and there's been no, t- no positive tests. zero positive yes. tests. So, in, indeed, they were able to, you know, do anything they wanted without a fear of, of uh, you know, contracting a major virus anyway but and before we um, get back to like kudos to the nhl oh they pulled this off beautifully what a wonderful job the nhl did putting this tournament on totally agree Uh, you know it was everything perfect and ideal no but they pulled it off no covid test in the bubble for nine weeks that they've been up there um the 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 hockey was competitive very i mean yes we miss the fans and and they wish the fans could be there but the, I don't think the the play suffered because of it. Uh, the, no, the players, it, the cup was on the line, and they were going for it. Yeah. Um, I thought the visuals on television were great. I thought all the stuff they did in the arena, and and, and the the music with the the local teams, and based on if you were the home team, it was your warm up music, and the, I mean everything they did, I thought was I thought was wonderful, and and you know they did a great look. You're seeing baseball go into a bubble because it's worked in the NBA and NHL. Baseball's correct. doing the post. NFL may do the same thing come January for the playoffs. Oh, I think they will. I, I got I got news for you. I think I think the playoffs at least after the first round, maybe even maybe all of them are going to be played. You know, probably. And I don't know that it'll be away from. I give me. I guess it's. You know, you're kind of saying, well, you're going to leave Raymond James Stadium, and um, I'm not sure about that, but. I think they'll learn a lot of lessons. Well, a lot it, of lessons may, it may not be a bubble where you know all the teams are together, right? But they can put teams in bubbles where they're in hotels and not. Absolutely. And, and, well, you, know, you may travel to you know whatever city that the, the the game's at, but you're basically just moving your bubble around and no interaction with outside people. I mean, they, they can do that in ways too. That uh, they, they're kind of doing it now. Mm-hmm. I mean, they really are. Yeah. Um, I mean, once they start the playoffs, they don't want anything to roadblock. That's why they don't baseball's want any doing contact, what they're doing. Right. Is that. 
you know, once we start these playoffs, we don't, you know, it's one thing in the regular season that the, the Marlins had a bunch of COVID cases and we had to cancel some games and, and the Cardinals and that. And, you know, that's one thing. But once we get to the playoffs, we're not having this. We Once the playoffs start, we have to finish. And we saw what baseball and, and the NBA did or hockey in the, in the NBA did. And they both have done a great job. And so baseball's following that model and football probably will too. Man, it's been it's incredible, but this season, this this two thousand and nineteen slash twenty season actually began almost a year ago. Well the first preseason games were like ten, twelve days ago a year ago. I yeah. mean you know, opening yeah. night would have been coming up soon a year ago. Right. It, it started in October, but yeah, I mean, it's been over a year. I mean, training camps usually open a week or two after Labor Day. The rookies usually come in and the prospects right after Labor Day for most hockey teams. And then the the veterans follow. And, you know, mid-September you're playing exhibition games. So this went more than a year this season. So did you agree with, uh, you know, who won the most viable player? I look. I I you know I can't argue against Hedman, but I think Braden Point was the most valuable player. Mm, that's who I that's who I turned to my wife and said I think I think this will be Braden Point. I wasn't, and, and I, I thought with, actually, with the game winning goal tonight that would have sealed it. That that sealed it right, and I was I was actually fine with it. I mean, I really uh, like Victor no, Hedman. I, I've liked him. I mean, when we were doing radio, yeah. as you recall, mm-hmm. um, he was one of the first Lightning players that came in studio, and I yep. think he was all of about twenty years old. Um. And, you know, couldn't have been nicer, but, mm-hmm. um, but I understand for all he does, why, why Victor Hedman and the fact that he almost set an NHL mm-hmm. record for. Absolutely. Well, you know, and if you would have said Kucherov got the award, I would have not. I'd have been fine either. with that too. I mean, yeah, those three, uh, look, there were so many players that had good play. Andre Palat and Blake Coleman and Yanni Gore. Right. And, and you know, you know, I mean, there were so many players that Ryan McDonough was so solid Terrific. this whole tournament. I mean, he doesn't mm-hmm. get the points offensively because he's not playing on the power play in that, but he was so solid throughout this tournament. Um, you know, Mikhail Sergachev played very well. A few mistakes here and there, but he played very well in this tournament. I mean, they, you don't dominate through the tournament the way they did. In that, you know, the thing is, is, is as you got through the series, and once you got to the middle part of the series, you know, game three or whatever, you never felt like the Lightning were going to lose the series doesn't mean they weren't going to lose games, but they were in control of the games. I mean, even the games they lost, they were in control of or for good parts of. I mean, that, that was it was a that was a dominant playoff performance by them this whole tournament. Well, and they never lost two in a row. Let's not forget. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they bounced back every time they did have a loss, which was rare. Yes. And they bounced back with with with. You know, it was those were great games. I mean, it wasn't like they skinned. They they skinned by after a loss. Is they dominated. They they took those losses personally, and they came out and and proved that we're taking this cup home. I mean, you know, I mean they were one of the favorites going into the tournament. I think Vegas probably was the biggest favorite, but you know the lightning yeah. the lightning early on showed that you know they weren't messing around in this tournament. I mean, you know what the things that scared you was when Hedman went down in the exhibit or the or the run of the round robin games, the last round robin game, and you thought he might be lost for the playoffs, or McDonough's injury, sure. he missed a couple games. I mean, those were the ones when you start going, ooh, that's gonna, you know. But as long as they stayed healthy, and for the most part, they did, obviously Stamkos never, you know, played two minutes and forty seven seconds in the tournament. But as long as everybody else stayed healthy, it was going to be tough to beat them, and they they, they persevered and showed that. 
Well, the, the iconic moment for me, and I know he only played two minutes and 47 seconds, um, and everybody else on that hockey team deserves more credit, but they credited him uh, with what he provided off the ice. But it was Steven Stamkos, um, you know, with that goal uh, in, in game four that um, I'll define, you know, for the shortest period of time he was on the ice, but he made such a huge impact emotionally and, um, like I said, behind the scenes and things like that. And and that was that was a real moment. As far as tonight happens to be, also the anniversary of game one sixty three. Really, I yes. didn't even realize that with the Dan Johnson home run and Evan Longoria. Yeah, with two home runs. So well, that was one sixty two, not one sixty three. One sixty two. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they've had right. they've had a one sixty three before, but they have had the, yeah. the iconic one with um, yes. yeah, with, Longoria, with Dan yeah. Johnson and and Evan Longoria to get them. Yep into the postseason, and, um, yeah, that one was about nine years ago, I want to say. 2011, um, yep. To the day. And so this will be a, f- a famous day, obviously, and then, you know, just another, uh, you know, just another memorable well, memorable look, run. Just the uh, third the championship Rangers. in Tampa Bay sports history, the That's major all. sports. That's all it is, and they got two of them. And now your Tampa Bay Rays have a chance. The Bucks are in first place in the NFC South. Um, some bad news for them, however, before we get uh, to Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times to talk about the Rays' playoff chances. Um, it looks like Chris Godwin's going to miss some time. And when I say some time, I don't have anything you know, concrete. I'm not sure they do. They're waiting on the MRI to come back on his bad hamstring. But if you consider that they are going to play beginning Sunday two games in 10 days, um, then... Or four days, know, really. Or four four days from Sunday, but yeah. uh, but yeah, the from ten now. days yeah. from Sunday to Sunday, and then and then a couple of days later. So, I mean, I I don't see a scenario where he's going to be well enough to play Sunday. And if he's not well enough to play Sunday, would you then turn around with no practice, no. And just glorified walkthroughs, and try to put him no. out there? You, I don't. You think wait. He plays you wait for until, the three weeks. You wait for the three yeah until sometime that. after the bye because you're going to get a mini bye. Um, you know, playing Chicago on Thursday night football. Uh, next week so um you know somebody's gonna have to they're gonna have to figure some things out they're gonna have to have some receivers that play better tyler johnson got into the game but frankly didn't do anything um you can make better use of your tight ends you know but it's a shame because you know the first week mike evans was was not feeling well was not mike evans he gutted it out a little bit and then chris godwin gets a concussion uh and then they come back and you know they both contributed um, quite a bit, you know, to the win at Denver, and now Godwin's out again. So the depth is being tested. Um, you know, Scooter uh, Miller, Scotty Miller, uh, has been playing beat up. I mean, he he did a remarkable job, you know, getting down the field and mm-hmm. having a big catch for them. Um, but he's got like hip injuries and and some things that are bothering him too. And then of course, um, you know, Justin Evans has been out with a shoulder injury. So suddenly. You know, all these weapons, right, for Tom Brady are starting to dry up a little bit. Um, but fortunately, you know, most of these aren't, they're, you know, they don't appear to be anything like season ending or some guys going on the IR. So they're happy about that. But it, it is kind of a it is kind of a thing. Uh, speaking of the Bucks, before we go and, and talk uh, about the Rays playoff game today against Toronto, you see Colin Coward all in. On the Tampa Bay Bucks to to uh, to go really far 
Well, how far he, do you have to jump to get on that bandwagon? Well, I don't know because I, I don't know if he broke his ankles getting off of it at one point like like I did with the Tampa Bay Rays. But, um, man, you know, he, he thinks this is a Super Bowl team. He thinks Tom Brady, you know, chose wisely. Um, all that stuff. I'm I'm not I as he convinced. Couldn't play in Bruce Arians' offense. I thought that's what all the national media said. Yeah, that's what it was until you saw him. You know, start throwing those deep balls like like dimes to people, and I thought his arm looked good and live and fresh and all of that. Uh, Miss Gronkowski for one, but yeah, I, I wouldn't worry about that at least early in the season. Let's see, you know, where they are if if this drives you know, uh, you know, drives deep. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's been interesting, man. It's been quite a quite a night and it's going to be you know quite a a time for tampa bay sports when you consider uh, really all three teams now have a chance right well um, and the, and the do, race the race start today i mean within a month yeah we'll know if they're the world series champions that's incredible hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. All right, Mark Tompkin joins us now. And, uh, Mark, let's start. We know we got the big playoff game uh, this afternoon against the Toronto Blue Jays, but just want to look at the, you know, this 60-game sprint, I guess we, we called it at the beginning of, uh, of this season. And, I mean, with the way with the way the race started, to, to think that this team was, what, 40 and 20? Yeah, 40 and 20, and, and I'm not that great at math, but my wife is a first-grade teacher, and I think that comes out to a 108-win season if you projected that out over a full season, which is pretty yeah, remarkable I mean, that, when you put it in that's a meatloaf. That's a meatloafed season right there. It is. It is. 108 and 54, and if you did that, you'd be like, wow, this is one of the greatest teams in a long time. So it was an impressive season, and, and think about, you know, they – Started that season, uh, what were they five and seven? They had an zero and five road trip, the first road trip of the year, right? Winless, and and uh, you know at that point, and you know, I, I mean, I know because I talked to some of them, and the players were getting really frustrated. That you know, everybody was thinking, what, what's happening here? They're supposed to have this great season, and and here they were at this horrible start. But give them credit to turn that around and finish uh, with forty wins, and you know, only the Dodgers had more. The Rays with the best record in the American League, and. And, you know, playing, too, let's, you know, to add to it here, playing a schedule with only East teams. So they didn't get, you know, that usual tour through the, the bottom of the Central Division in the in the AL or uh, the AL West. So definitely a tougher schedule, too. On top of that, you know, everybody uh, was talking about the injuries that the Yankees had, and they did have a few. But, my goodness, look what the Rays had to endure, particularly in the pitching. No doubt, Rick. I mean, at one point, I think there were 11 or 12 pitchers out at, at uh, you know, different stints. I mean, half of the planned opening day bullpen or more uh, out at one point. Four guys lost for the season uh, from the Rays pitching staff that were just on the opening day staff. You know, they had three of their starters at different points on the injured list. They had, I think, ended up being eight or nine relievers. They had their top prospect, Brendan McKay, out for the year. So, just a, an amazing job uh, of the depth that they accumulated and they accrued. I mean, 
look, I'm not going to supposed to be the expert about this team for the Tampa Bay Times, so I'm not going to tell you I, I predicted John Curtis and Aaron Sleegers pitching key <laughs> innings for the Rays as they clinched a playoff spot and, and Ryan Sheriff getting a couple saves and, and a whole bunch of things. We could go on with a long list here. Josh Fleming going 5-0. and So there's a whole bunch of things that uh, I don't think anybody, even the Rays people, would admit to uh, expecting to happen. Yeah, no doubt. And they lost some position players as well. Uh, in, in fact, you know, uh, some key guys and two of those, Yandy Diaz and G-Man Choi, what, what's going to be their status for the postseason? There's a chance they could play today. I mean, they uh, that was going to come right down to the, the last minute on the rosters, uh, which were due at 10 a.m. on Tuesday. And, you know, they, were, they worked out Monday. Uh, they went through a normal workout, and they did a live batting practice session after that facing uh, Honeywell and Alvarado and Sean Gilmartin and, Everyone's saying they did well. The question's going to be, you know, how does this fit? What are they limited to do? Are they limited to playing the field? Are they limited to DHing? Can they also play the field? I mean, if they can both, if they both are limited just to DHing, I'm not sure it makes sense to have them both on the roster. The uh, Blue Jays, in a little bit of a surprise, are starting a right-hander, Matt Shoemaker, rather than Heejin Ryu, who's their ace, who's a lefty. So, you know, maybe you keep G-Man on and keep Yandy off. And the roster's only for this series. I mean, if they win, if they're fortunate enough to go on to the next round, they get to set a new roster. So, you know, it's not like this is a binding thing. It's just for these three games. You know, there are so many great performances, not just by the pitchers, and, and we can talk about all the different guys that had saves on this team. Um, but the one constant um, was a guy that you, you presented, uh, the baseball writers, uh, the award for the most valuable player in Brandon Lau. Um, boy, that guy, he had some so very few stretches where he wasn't hot, but – he put together some numbers. If you translate that over 162 games, that's a pretty good year, too. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think he'd be in the 45 home run category or something mm-hmm. like that and, and uh, close to 100 RBIs. So, look, Brandon Lau is a player that, you know, to the Rays' credit, they believed in. Uh, they drafted him after he broke his leg in, the, in a college tournament right before the draft. They promoted him at the end of the 2018 season. He started out 0 for 18 or 0 for 19. Uh, coming right. up in early August, ended up with some okay numbers, and they turned around and gave him a $25 million contract the next spring with another $24 million in options, so basically $49-$50 million. Uh, then he went out and had a great first half last year, got hurt right in early July. Remember, he got named to the All-Star team, couldn't play, and then really didn't come back to the last week of the season. Uh, and then this year, obviously, only a 60-game season. So there, there's going to be a time, maybe it's going to be 2021 or 2022, where Brandon Lau is going to get to play a full season un you know unencumbered by uh pandemic type things and and you know mm-hmm. in theory healthy and it'll be really curious to see what he does then because he's not a big man rick and uh no. he's got a, a unique batting style and his his basic premise is simply hit the ball as hard as he can he always he tries to hit it through the wall not over the wall he tries to hit it through the wall <laughs> and it, it sounds silly but you think about it it kind of makes sense and you know, he just, he's an exit velocity guy. He trains himself to hit the ball really hard, and he manages to do it really well. He's been great. And, and of course, uh, you know, getting the, uh, the the best record in the American League is no small feat. Winning the American League East uh, is something. This is only, what, the third time they've done this. Um, it's incredible that, that uh, they were able to put this together. But they draw the Toronto Blue Jays. And, you know, it could have been the Yankees, I suppose. Um, but it is the Blue Jays, and is this a good draw or a bad draw for them? Because if you look at the series, and they won the series, I think six four. But um, in reading your your column, Mark, uh, the Blue Jays outscored them, they outhomered them, they even had a better ERA, and 
there's a few guys that are pretty comfortable hitting at the trot. No, no doubt about it, Rick. But I do think that of the possibilities, which at the time they were presented or the way it looked, you know, the last couple of days, right. it was either going to be Blue Jays or Yankees, mm-hmm. or it was going to be the Central Division team that was the wild card of the three, which would have meant either Indians, Twins, or White Sox, and ended up being the White Sox. But right. I think there's a certain benefit in familiarity. Now, you know, maybe it works both ways, but because of the schedule, the Rays haven't seen any of the Central Division teams all year. I mean, they literally saw the Twins in spring training four times, but they haven't seen That's the White right. Sox or Indians in over a year. So, and again, it works both ways. But you know, the Rays are such a, you know, they're such a pitching-oriented team, so that could be to their advantage. But for their hitters, because their you know their hitting isn't as good, I think putting them in a situation of facing guys they hadn't seen all year would have been a distinct disadvantage, especially for some of their newer players. Renfro coming over from the National League. Tutsugo coming over from Japan, Margot coming over right. from the National League. I mean, those guys may have literally been facing guys for the very first time ever in their careers in the playoffs. So I think it's to the Rays' benefit it was a familiar opponent. But you're right, the Blue Jays played them well. 6-4 in the series, the Rays won it. Eight of those games decided by one or two runs, though. Four of those games in extra innings. So very closely matched. And talking to Bo Bichette today, the, the Lakewood High kid, who is a key part of that you know, Blue Jays kind of kitty core, their young uh, – young players that are going to be a part of their future. And one of the guys whose dad played in the big leagues, which is a unique thing. They have two, three former or three sons of big leaguers with Biggio and Guerrero also on the big league team, but they are definitely confident. Someone asked him on the zoom call, uh, what percent of intimidation, you know, how, how, how much, how intimidated were they by playing the Rays at home and the Rays being the best record? He's just 0% intimidated. So <laughs> I think that, and look, you know what? Good for him. That cockiness carries those guys. And, yeah. you know, you, you've been in the arena at a higher level than I have, but at any level of sports, you know, when you play it, if you're good, you gotta, you're usually good because you're a little cocky, you're usually a little cocky because you're good and it goes together. I watch Bo Bichette and the way he swings the bat, and there's no timidness in him at all at the plate. <laughs> he does not get cheated. And and playing, no, look, he's coming home, guy. right? I mean, that there's one guy that should be comfortable in St. Petersburg. Exactly, exactly, yeah. And he, um, you know, it, there's going to be a, a select limited number of, of family members are going to be allowed to go to these games as part of the agreement with the union that MLB made. And then I would assume uh, some of his family will be amongst them and, you know, it, it's not the same. It won't be the same. We're going to hear about it. You know, some of the Rays were talking about it today. Bichette was talking about it today. It's not going to be the same postseason experience as you, you know, see on TV. In his case, or you lived through as the Rays did with those two incredibly electric home games last year against the Astros. But it's, you know, this is how it's going to be, and they're going to make the best of it. You know, it's not, there's no going to be, there's no introduction today. There's no very little pomp, very little circumstance. They didn't even paint a logo on the field. So it's going to be a very different uh, postseason. Let me ask you this, uh, Mark. Uh, you know, you wrote a story about Kevin Cash and, and the relationship he's had with uh, Charlie Montoyo, of course, was with him on the bench for years. But it, it does go deeper than baseball. Explain. Yeah, I mean, these are just two guys that, you know, they, they kind of, it was a, you know, they, they, they weren't like lifelong friends. I mean, they became friends because of their job situations. And Kevin Cash, you know, talked to uh, Charlie Montoyo and, and hired him, you know, as the third base coach when Kevin Cash got the job, but they really grew close and you know, they really became a sounding board for each other. And Kevin Cash grew to, to really respect uh, the path Charlie Montoyo took. The guy spent, think about this, Charlie Montoyo spent 18 years managing in the minors before he got a chance to manage in the big leagues. Kevin Cash spent zero days managing in the minors before he got a chance to manage in the big leagues. And, 
you know, they both uh, learned a lot from each other, respect for each other. And, you know, as a man, as a, as a family guy and as a, a leader of you know, men in a clubhouse. So I think they really developed a bond. And you know, the other night when the Blue Jays clinched, Cash said he FaceTimed him at 1.30 in the morning to talk to Charlie mm-hmm. about it. I thought, that's pretty funny. I mean, heck, I don't FaceTime you, Rick, not even at 1.30 in the afternoon, much less 1.30 in the morning. So good for them. Uh, you, you know, I'm usually up, especially if the Lightning are playing, but that's another story. <laughs> Um, yeah, Montoyo is kind of the, uh, he's kind of the Bruce Arians of major league baseball right now. Waited that long to become a manager. Yeah, no doubt. And then, you know, obviously he's done very well talking through the race players who were with him, you know, uh, Kiermaier in the minor leagues and some of the other guys who were here when Charlie was the bench coach and the third base coach and then the bench coach, you know, they really just appreciate him. And, and Joey Wendell, I think, uh, was the one who told me that somebody said, if you don't like Charlie Montoyo, it's your fault. It's a pretty good way to put it. So it's a nice. Um, he's just one of those guys, and I talked to uh, Mitch Lukovics, who was you know the Rays' longtime farm director, who actually hired Charlie way back in October of 1996. And you know, he said, yeah, they just they thought he was going to be a good guy for them then, and then it would obviously you know exceeded all expectations, managing like I said for 18 years for them, and then four years as a major league coach, and now managing the Toronto Blue Jays, and in the playoffs in his second season. Blake Snell gets the baseball first. And, you know, I think I think him and and I think that, you know, obviously Charlie Morton started pitching better at the end. Uh, Tyler Glass now has been extraordinary at times. Pitching is no doubt the strength of this ball club, whether you're talking about those three starters in particular. Um, you know, there are others, obviously, that have, have played big roles in the bullpen. But, Mark, uh, I mean – the postseason is different, and you know Snell last year came in and contributed, but he wasn't built up innings wise. Um, in a two out of three series, you know if and you wrote about it, if that fails them at all, you know it can get it can get very tight very fast, right? I mean they they really are counting on the strength of their team being the strength of their team in the postseason. They are, and, and you know I know teams usually go into it that way, Rick, but I think in this case. You know, you know, you can you can take an optimistic view and say, look, if you go into a playoff series with Blake Snell, Tyler Glasnow, and Charlie Morton, you're <laughs> pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And I agree with that. <laughs> but but if you know, look, we we watched this team every day for the last couple months, and you know, there have been games when Blake Snell has not looked very good, and he gets himself in trouble. He starts falling behind too many guys early on. He's at 50 pitches in the second or third inning. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know, in a playoff game, that's you you know, you don't want to take that risk because that means if you're putting guys on it and you're one swing away from suddenly having the other team get two or three or four runs. So right. I think that you have to have a little bit of concern if you're the Rays over how Blake Snell's gonna pitch. And you know, as well as Glass now has looked at times, he also has had some inconsistent outings here. And again, it's a shortened season. I know you have them over the course of a full season when you have thirty starts, but some of these guys made ten, eleven starts and it's a little more magnified and Charlie Morton will be the first one to tell you that he hasn't been happy with how he's pitched and he still doesn't feel, he feels fine physically, but he doesn't feel, you know, kind of that he's all there. He's clicking on the right, you know, cylinders per se, that he's got the breaking ball and the fastball both in the same game. So, you know, you could make a case that all three of these guys come with a little bit of a question mark going into the series and a series with no margin for error. And so with Kevin Cash with this, uh, with the number of guys, I guess here is the mixed blessing to the injuries, right? Is that, they discovered some people that can play and pitch in, in different roles. It's the postseason, and you, like you said, you can't allow those big innings. So will he have a, a faster hook, perhaps, if, if somebody gets in trouble? 
you know, it's interesting because I was trying to think that through because the Blue Jays, you know, as I alluded to earlier, made a little bit of a surprise. They went with Shoemaker in the first game and Ryu in the second game. And one of the reasons Charlie Morton said, I mean, Charlie Morton, Charlie Montoyo said was because this way they knew their bullpen was fresh because Shoemaker's not going to pitch a complete game. He, he was out for a month with an injury. He's only pitched once for three innings since he's been back. So, right. you know, they know he's not going to go, you know, maybe four or five innings at the most. So, you know, that being said, they have to be, you know, have their bullpen ready. So making it fresh made sense. If you're the Rays, you know, they're talking about cutting the staff down to 12 for this round. They've had been carrying 14. So going with 12 pitchers and 16 position players. So three starters, you've got nine relievers. It sounds like a lot, but they haven't used anybody three days in a row all season. So I don't know that they're going to start doing that now. So you have to space it out a little bit. You know, if they get to the seventh or eighth, Anderson's going to be in there at some point, but yeah, Blake Snell, you know, if you're Kevin Cash and Snell's struggling in the third or fourth inning, you might think, all right, let's go, you know, go to go to the stable. But if you go to the stable <laughs> too soon, you might run out of jockeys. <laughs> right. Only so many gates down there for sure. Um, and I love that, uh, that that has become sort of their mantra with, <laughs> with the, uh, the T-shirts and all of that because I got a whole stable of guys that can throw 98. Um, there's no doubt they do. Uh, you know, this is the COVID world. I don't need to tell you, you've had to cover this team with, uh, in, in a manner that you hope to never have to do again, I'm sure, uh, nor would they want you to. But, you know, having said all that, um, these guys are now going into a bubble. For all the sacrifices they've made at this point, they're not going into a bubble. They're staying in a hotel even though they're in, in their home in Tampa. And, in fact, did I read that in some instances their families will be with them? Yeah, so uh, Major League Baseball decided that all uh, contending teams had to quarantine the last seven days of the regular season or the seven days going into the playoffs, I guess is the better way to put it. So because the Rays were on the road, how how weird is this? Because the Rays were on the road uh, in New York when that seven-day window started. It started last Tuesday, and they were in New York till Wednesday night. So some of the players' families actually had to move into the hotel on Tuesday, even though the players themselves weren't there yet. So the family would get their seven days in. The players were allowed to go to their homes because they got in at 6 in the morning from New York. They were allowed to go to their homes, get their stuff, and then check into the hotel later that day. But, yeah, it's been a really weird system. Basically, they had a quarantine at home. And if they win this first round here and they advance, they'll leave like the day after the series ends and go to San Diego where MLB a little bit more like we're seeing with the hockey, whereas you know, the NBA was all on the Walt Disney World campus. Hockey used hotels in Toronto and Edmonton, but they were hotels that were kind of resort-style hotels that had some amenities, some ground space for them to spread out. So that's what they will have in San Diego, and then the other American League teams go into L.A., where they'll all be at a hotel, uh, but at least, you know, like I said, a little bit more you know, feeling like you're somewhere else, whereas staying at a hotel when you're at home is really weird. San Diego Vacation to a new degree. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe not the one you, you planned on. Um, San Diego, uh, from what I, I have read, uh, and I've only been by the ballpark a few times, haven't actually watched a game there, but um, kind of a pitcher's ballpark, is it not? And can, can that not play into the race favor? Yeah, it's interesting. And, and, you know, the Rays did play there last year. They have a little bit of experience. They have, you know, Hunter Renfro and Manuel Margot, who were both Padres last year. So they'll have plenty of inside information on the stadium, but it's a pitcher's ballpark. Uh, 
for le- against left-handed hitters, but the numbers, at least for this year, and, and obviously skewed in the shorter season, but the numbers for this season, it, it's not been a pitcher's ballpark. It's actually been a hitter's ballpark for right-handed hitters. Now, part of that might be because a couple of right-handed hitters the Padres have, they tend to be pretty good, like uh, Ted Teese and um, uh, our friend Machado. But, you know, it's going to be curious, and that's like a weird thing. You have to start thinking, what's the, what's the park effect of the home park that's not your home park for your playoffs? And those players are going to be played on five consecutive days and seven consecutive days in the ALCS round. So that really impacts the pitching, too. There's going to be a lot of weird decisions to be made uh, if the Rays advance. Well, I'll tell you what, um, Kevin Cash deserves a lot of credit. Not only, uh, you know, was he a manager of the year candidate a year ago, really should have been uh, the last few years. The job that he's done now, when you go back and you think about the legacy um, that Joe Madden had in in coming in after him, uh, I mean, this ball club, what it did a year ago, uh, and then to be, you know, the the best record in the American League with all the circumstances, and I think, you know, look, I don't know that anybody's going to put asterisks by anything, right, when this is all said and done. And it's true that baseball, unlike some sports, added some things, you know, um, like the DH in all the leagues, like starting extra innings with a runner on second base and seven inning doubleheaders and things like that that, you know, typically you would not have. Um, but in some ways, Mark, I think this has been – I mean, whoever wins this will have would have done – almost the impossible in some ways because nothing was normal about this baseball season. And yet they're going to crown a champion. And, and nothing was easy, Rick. I mean, it's easy for us to sit here and, and, you know, and, and you, you and, and with the bucks and me with the Rays, we've had the, you know, the opportunity to go to the home games and to travel to some of the road games. And, you know, it, it's been a little bit hard, a little bit different, but think of what it's been like for these players. I mean, you know, we, we've had the ability, you know, the, Look, you were just in Denver. I assume you did not wear your mask the entire time you were in your hotel no. room. No. And these guys are, you know, they're, they're not allowed to leave their rooms. They're in the hotel. They have to have food delivered to their door. They order their breakfast ahead of time. It comes in a box. It's left outside their door in the morning. It's they incredible. order their lunch and their dinner. The dinner come, They order the dinner from an app on their phone before they leave the ballpark. It's waiting at their room. Not, not set up. Not set up on the table with the white linen that they roll in from room <laughs> service. It's sitting in a box or on a tray outside their room. I mean, yeah. if they're ordering the lobster bisque, it's not going to be the right temperature. I can tell you that right now. So, you know, and, and, and you know, away from their families, I and mean, there's certain players, uh, a couple of players have their families with them, but there have been several players who left, told their family not to come. They just didn't want to, you know, whether they had little kids or the wife had a, their wife uh, had a you know a condition that might have made her more susceptible to it, but there were some players who just told their family stay home. You know, I'll see you when we're done. And you know, like, like I said, they've had to do with all of the rules, all the regulations, the protocols, and and you know, have some some go away. Sure, there was supposed to be a rule they weren't supposed to throw the ball around the infield. Every team throws the ball around the infield, so some of the rules you know just got taken care of. But the the personal sacrifices and the challenges these guys have faced, and the vigilance and you know, each team has a person for the Rays. It's one of the assistant athletic trainers. That's kind of the compliance officer. And, you know, he's the guy who has to walk around on the plane and tell everybody, "You can't take your mask off. You can't stand. You can't stand there. You can't wait for the bathroom. Go back to your seat." It's like when you're on a commercial flight. Those poor guys. They're charter flight. They actually have to follow the rules. But it's been tough. In all seriousness, and and you're right. Brian Cashman, the Yankees general manager, said something the other day on on Sirius XM Radio where he said kind of what you said. Like I thought going into this. We weren't sure how it was going to be. I can tell you right now, this might have been this might be the hardest championship to win of all the ones. 
Yeah, I, I absolutely agree because nothing has been normal about this year. And to be a professional athlete, look, no, nobody cries them a river for what their normal life is like at five-star hotels and, and, and things like this. But this has really been tough, and they've had to you know, sacrifice what they would do with family. A lot of times you fly into cities and you might have – you know, 12 people waiting for you in New York where you're from, you know, and um, those are things they weren't able to do. I'll uh, help get you out on this one. Uh, Mark, one of the players I've been fascinated with, and I haven't been able to talk to you about him, but I'll just say it because if he if he plays this way, um, they've found something. Randy Arazarina, um, what can't he do? <laughs> He's been pretty impressive, Rick. And, um, you know, this was a guy that when they made the trade – uh, this past off season, they traded Matt Libertor, who was you know their top draft pick a couple of years ago, young pitching yeah. prospect. And the Rays don't trade pitching prospects that are good. I mean, that's they they get them from other teams and and make the other teams look foolish. So for the Rays to give up a very top end, healthy young pitching prospect, you know, and Jose Martinez, you're like, okay, he's like a DH kind of guy, played for the Cardinals. You know, he'll help out a little bit. Hits lefties pretty good. And then you know, who's this other guy they got thrown into the deal and at the time, you know, the Rays told us, like, you know, this is the guy we wanted. Martinez will help short term, but we, we're gambling that a Rosarena is pretty good. Well, I think they may have hit another one here, Rick, because mm. this guy runs. He hits with power. He hits for average. He's fast on the bases. He plays aggressively. He plays with a hunger uh, that you like to see. And, you know, he, he had a great first week, a so-so middle week, and a pretty good third and, and now fourth week. But, you know, he, it was very impressive to see what he can do. And, you know, he gives them just another option, and, and they've got so many outfielders now when these guys are all healthy. But I, I think, you know, he's in a good problem to have category. He looks like he could be a very dynamic player. No question. It's been fun to watch him and, and to watch the Rays. And uh, they, you know, will begin this series uh, against the Toronto Blue Jays. Mark, how far do you think this team goes? I mean, you've watched them. I think their playoff experience last year will help them in this situation. Um, you wrote about this. This is not a team that was satisfied with, you know, going five games uh, against the Houston Astros last year. They they want to stay stay in this uh, in this uh, postseason uh, longer this time. I'm sure. Oh, they do. And then talking to a couple of the guys about it, you know, I, they were really driven by it. I mean, a couple said, you know, it, it hit them as soon as they walked off the field in Houston. Uh, Kiermaier, Kevin Kiermaier said, you know, he'd be doing his off-season workouts and, you know, be like, you know what, I'm running one more sprint. I'm doing one more rep here. You know, yeah. we, I didn't like how last year ended. I don't want it to happen again. And, mm-hmm. and Willie Adamas said he noticed that when they got the spring training in February, the first spring training, that, you know, it was just this attitude of, all right, that was cool, but now we're going to do it again and we're going to stick around longer. And, and I think that has carried them. And I think that is part of the benefit here. And, you know, I, this seems weird to say because obviously the matchups get harder going forward because you're playing higher seeded teams. But I, just as I sit here talking to you about this today, I think if they win this first round, they're going to go pretty far. Yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. if they lose the first round, they're not. But I think, you know, I, you, you know what I'm saying, though. I know I mean, exactly what you I mean. I think they'll be more the tension. First round, for... They're going to get the confidence right. They're going to get right. the confidence. They're going to get past the jitters. Then yes. the next round is either the White Sox or the Yankees, and I think you know I just don't see that as being a big challenge. I think once they win this first round, they get on a roll, and maybe it ends up being you know a World Series, a Dodgers Rays World Series, which seems to be the chalk pick here by a, a number of people jumping on the Rays bandwagon here at the end, and obviously a matchup with uh, their former general manager Andrew Friedman, and all kinds of storylines if it were to get to that. 
All I know is this, Mark. Uh, I'm the guy that says we can't have nice things, but as we stand here, the Tampa Bay Lightning are, are up two to nothing as we're doing this podcast, uh, trying to uh, win their Stanley Cup final and the World Championship for the second time in the franchise history. Uh, the Rays are the number one you know team in the American League and starting their playoff series against the Toronto Blue Jays and the Bucks are in first place in the NFC South. So I don't know that it's ever going to get better than right now, but take, uh, but take, all three teams seem to be page. doing well. It's just, it's just pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. We'll, we'll and, take uh, it. It's a, there's a, there, you know, it's, there's a little bit of disappointment that it's all happening in, in this weird year where the fans can't enjoy it. I know. People can't congregate and get together. But on the other hand, if you had to go through 2020, you might as well go through, enjoy what you can and having, all three teams do well this year. Certainly puts a good spin on that. Exactly. It's it's the most Tampa thing ever, a Tampa Bay thing ever, 2020, to have all three and no one be able to see them. But uh, we are enjoying them uh, on TV. And you can enjoy Mark Topkin's coverage in the Tampa Bay Times, also on TampaBay.com throughout the playoffs, and maybe, who knows, all the way to the World Series. Thanks, Mark. We appreciate it. All right, Rick. Anytime. I'm really looking forward to this series. I'm looking forward to this postseason for the Rays. I'm not sure how far they can go. I think he's right, though. If they get past Toronto, I think the pressure kind of comes off of them a little bit, and they might be a really tough out. Um, If there's going to be nerves, it's going to be in this series. Um, But if they get through it, look out. Uh, I really think they're going to become a uh, seasoned playoff team. Hey, uh, remember, folks, uh, try our good friends at Mr. Empanada. You can order delicious menu items made from scratch including soup, salads, and Cuban sandwiches online at MrEmpanada.com, or you can call any one of the seven convenient locations in Tampa Bay where Latin food, quality, and service meet. It's Mr. Empanada. Thanks for listening. Hope you guys get a little bit of sleep after celebrating the Lightning's Stanley Cup championship. Stanley has a tan. He's headed back to Tampa Bay. It's unbelievable. He'll be here this afternoon. And we hope you enjoyed this he will be here. Yeah. Got a gorgeous trophy, too, by the way. I mean, it's just there's something yep. about seeing that trophy and watching those guys. 35 pounds, yep. as they all say, it's as light as a feather. Well, so think about those players. Tonight they'll get to sleep in their beds for the first time in over two months. <laughs> I, can't, I mean, see their families. Yeah, well, that, too. Yeah. I mean, although it was cool, there was a couple of the uh, parents and stuff saw were up that. there. Um, yeah. If you lived in Canada, you could actually come in. You had to quarantine for i think a few days and go through testing but if you ha- lived in the u.s you couldn't get up there because the borders closed so um alex right. Kalorn's dad was there i saw barkley goodrow's parents were there i think curtis McElhaney's parents were there so there was a few of them that were there today in the post-game celebration but it was really it was really cool and there'll be more than a few at the uh, boat parade and of course at raymond james stadium um make sure you go to Ticketmaster if you want to see that uh, and get some tickets for that as well For Steve Verstink, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great celebration. Live it up, Tampa Bay. I mean, you've got a Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 